Make sure you're subscribed to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Type The Word of the Lord Endures Forever in your podcast provider. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. Because he was truly sinless, above all because his body is the body of the eternal Son assumed into the unity of his person, Jesus' body, even in death, is incorruptible. So though he really truly died, there wouldn't be any stench of decomposition. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Acts. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. The great joy of the Spirit's advent had occasioned a less than charitable interpretation of what was happening. Ah, they're just drunk. Now, the Spirit is indeed inebriating, but with a sober joy, a holy giddiness. Peter, spokesman for the Twelve, stands forth and begins the church's first Pentecost Day homily. And the first thing he has to do is to dispatch their erroneous notion, basically saying, really, guys, come on, it's just nine o'clock. We're not drunk. But then he proceeds to take as his text, Joel 2. He explains to the crowds that are asking what it means that there in God's word, they can find out exactly what it means. What they're witnessing is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. And I should have explained, I suspect that this is why the they of Pentecost is the wider group of the 120 and not just the apostles. The point is that the Spirit is dumped out on all manner of people, young and old, male and female, even slave and free. And the Spirit opens their mouths to speak forth or prophesy the word of God. But then Joel spoke about signs in heaven and on earth, and surely we have both in Jesus' life and ministry, and then specifically about the sun being turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Remember, I referenced those two Oxford professors who believed that that dates the crucifixion to April the 3rd, A.D. 33, when after the obscuring of the sky for hours, the moon then rose coming out of an eclipse, hence red. If they're right, Peter is basically reminding this crowd of what they just lived through some weeks prior and then explains what it all means by words of Joel. It means whoever calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. Now, he's going to explicate that further. A reading from Acts, the second chapter, beginning at the 22nd verse. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death 
because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Acts 2, verses 22 to 31. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, you fulfilled your promise by sending the gift of your Holy Spirit to unite disciples of all nations in the cross and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. By the preaching of the gospel, spread this gift to the ends of the earth. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So you ready to dig into today's reading? Let's do it. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. So, having laid out from Joel the promise that whoever calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved, Peter's about to explain to them that Jesus is, is this Lord Joel was talking about. He begins with the indisputable fact of the wild and crazy things that Jesus himself did among them, mighty works and wonders and signs. Peter makes it clear that through them all, God was active. I mean, how else do you explain raising the dead, healing all manner of diseases, driving out demons, walking on water, calming storms with his word, and so on and on. So, Peter invites his hearers to reflect on what they themselves had heard about, and many of them maybe had even seen with Jesus. Now, do you remember what a hard time Peter had with the idea that the Lord Jesus as the Messiah would end up crucified? Do you remember when he dared to rebuke Jesus for asserting that that's where the Messiah was headed? How even in the garden, he tried to stop it from happening by whacking off poor Malchus's ear? Well, listen to him. Preach it now. Verse 23. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Two things here. Jesus is delivered up according to God's definite plan and foreknowledge. And the fact that it was God's definite plan and foreknowledge in no way exculpates those who rejected him and handed him over to this torture and death. You crucified and killed is Peter's message in Acts when in Jerusalem. Now, when he is outside of Jerusalem, for example, when he's preaching at Cornelius' house, that becomes they crucified and killed. But here in the capital city, mere weeks after the events, he simply openly charges them 
with murder does so quite fearlessly. A murder, by the way, that failed because, verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You indeed have killed him. And God just undid that, reversed it. He raised him up. St. John Chrysostom in the fourth century commented on this verse to his congregation in Antioch. He said, here he hinted at something great and sublime. For the expression, it was impossible, is in itself that of one assigning something. It shows that even death itself, when it held him, experienced birth pangs and suffered terribly. By pangs of death, the Old Testament means danger and disaster. It also shows that he so rose as never again to die. For the words, because it was impossible for him to be held by its power, mean that his resurrection was not common to the rest. Verse 25. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Verse 26, therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. Now Peter turns to his second proof passage from the Old Testament scriptures, Psalm 16, which he proceeds to cite from verses 8 through 11. The I here, Peter will argue, cannot be David himself, but David is speaking by the Holy Spirit and prophesying about his descendant. That is, this psalm is ultimately about Jesus, not David. Remember Luke 24, 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled. And this is the competence with which Jesus offered up his life on the cross. Verse 27. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. Verse 28, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Hades, or Sheol, indicates the place of the dead. So here it's a clear confession that Jesus really and truly died, but he died in a different way from us. Because he was truly sinless, and above all, because his body is the body of the eternal Son assumed into the unity of his person, Jesus' body, even in death, is incorruptible. So, though he really, truly died, there wouldn't be any stench of decomposition on him. And after he was dead and buried, his father made him walk those very paths of life, raised him up, and filled him with overflowing gladness that comes from his presence. Peter thus concludes, verse 29, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. That is, David most certainly did see corruption. His body decayed in its tomb. Everyone there that day would have admitted that that was true. And so it would be a mistake to read the words of Psalm 16 as though they had been exhausted in the life of David himself. In fact, they couldn't be. They pointed beyond David to the promised Messiah, the son of David, who would have an everlasting throne, rule, and dominion. Hence, verse 30. Being therefore prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, verse 31, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, 
that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. As we say in the Nicene Creed, who spake by the prophets, the Holy Spirit speaks through his chosen witnesses and speaks through them about the Christ. David knew that God had made him an expansive promise, so huge that it could only be fulfilled by one who was simultaneously David's son and David's Lord. Seeing and greeting that one from afar, David had foreseen the resurrection of the Messiah and the way that he was not left in Hades, that is, among the dead, and how his very flesh did not suffer any decomposition, even in death. By the way, you can see the unity of the apostolic preaching by comparing Peter's use of this passage in this particular chapter with St. Paul's use of the exact same text in Acts 13, verse 34 and following. Both men use it to make the same point. It's all about Jesus, and it's a confirmation of the fact that his body knew no decay, no, not even in death, so that he has become for us the source of our own hope of incorruption. Right there's where we're going to hit the pause button for today. Next up, Peter finishes out this first magnificent Pentecost homily with yet another psalm, this time 110. He'll make it clear that we all are witnesses to the fact that God raised Jesus up from the dead and that what happened that morning was the result of Jesus's own activity. He poured out the Spirit, which they are seeing and hearing in action. He did this from his seat at the right hand of God. So, Peter summarizes, let the whole house of Israel know that Jesus has been made both Lord and Christ, the selfsame Jesus whom you crucified. This strikes them with terror. They ask the apostles what they ought to do. Peter's answer is direct and beautiful. Well, repent and be baptized in his name, and you'll receive forgiveness. Yes, even forgiveness for killing your promised Messiah. And not only that, but you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit too, just the same as we received this morning. Peter then urged them to rescue themselves from this crooked generation, and we'll hear that no less than 3,000 took Peter up on the invitation to receive baptism that very day. Any wonder then? Some people call Pentecost the birthday of the Christian church. From 120 to 3,000 in a single afternoon. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.